You're listening to Tim Talks, Taking Interest in Ministry, a conversation between two great friends with over 70 years of ministry between them. Ministering on opposite sides of the border, Dr. Al Stone is the General Director of Bearing Precious Seed Canada and Pastor Emeritus of the Bible Baptist Church in St. Thomas, Ontario, Canada, while Pastor Dan Wolven pastors the North Columbus Baptist Church in Columbus, Ohio. Listen now as Al and Dan review and relate their experiences in hopes of helping others who are taking an interest in ministry. Now, here is Tim Talks. Welcome to Tim Talks. From the mobile studios. <laughs> still, <laughs> still set up. Pillows are blazing, cushions, you know, giving us a little sound deadening. Tim Talks. <laughs> From the Comfort Inn and Sweets. Oh, my goodness. Only the best. Man, so, you we, evangelists on the road, you oh, got it made. Oh. Well, let me tell you, um, this is our second room. Uh, <laughs> the first room. <laughs> we got we got in, and we walk in the door, it's like, whoa, smells really musty, really moldy. And we thought, well, you know, it's Florida, it's hot, you know, humid. We'll, uh, we'll turn the air on, and that'll take all the moisture out, you know, and it'll be fine. So we went through the first day, and nothing. And we got up the next morning, we're like, wow, this room really smells bad. <laughs> and so Ruthie went and got an air fresher, and it didn't do anything. And so we went through that second day, and finally I went to the desk, and I said, ma'am, you got you to gotta check this room out. I said, it's bad. She comes in, her eyes get wide open. She goes, oh, I am so sorry. We'll get you another room. <laughs> so if you hear me wheezing and, you know, my lungs failing, the mold and mildew have been trapped in there forever. So, Wow. It was yeah. Ruthie, so. Ruthie said, "Ow, smell this room. Ow, this car smells. Ow, this pew really smells. Ow, it's it you." <laughs> I'm just moldy and mildewy. That's me. Now, one time, whenever uh, now Ben is like our middle son is like Denise in that they're smellers. They're like part bloodhound. You know, I mean, they, oh, yeah. they're very overactive. Me, man, I can't smell a single thing. You know, I mean, if right. I smell something, it's going to be bad. And so Ben was like three or four, and he would go, I smell skunk. I smell skunk. And and this went on, you know, every often, every so often. It went on for about eight or nine months. I smell, wow. I, I smell skunk. I, and Denise said, you know, start sniffing around and they're, they're like bloodhounds walking around, you know, I don't smell anything. <laughs> and so, I mean, eight or nine months. And then finally, yeah. one day, Denise is, she's spraying her hair with this hairspray and Ben goes, it's you, it's you, <laughs> you smell like skunk, it's you, you know, and it's like, okay, it was, it was the, he, he didn't like the hairspray smell, and so, oh, I mean, man. but he went on, and on, because he'd been smelling this now for months, you know, right, and Denise right. goes, okay, okay, Ben, I can't believe it, it's mom, mom smells like skunk, I can't believe it, and it, okay, Ben, that's enough, and I mean, he just kept reacting and reacting so you know that's the that's my always big thing you know it's like well right. i'll, I'll kiss ben. you if you don't smell like skunk that's right 
And that's why Ben is no longer with us. <laughs> he slipped away. <laughs> oh, 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 but I mean, it, that's it was, funny. our family was just roaring because, I mean, it was, you know, his reaction just, you know, finally, oh, yeah. Eureka. Ah! You know, after the legalization of marijuana, I, I smell the same thing everywhere I go. <laughs> I smell skunk in, in hotels. I smell skunk in stadiums. I smell it everywhere. <laughs> so I'll call Ben, see what he did to get over it. So. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, so uh, so the luxury living continues on here at the Comfort Inn. Yes. We did get a much nicer room, much nicer room, really nice. So, yeah, so all's well. Just things happen when you're, you know, things oh, happen yeah. like that. And I know from some Airbnb experiences, yeah, sometimes things just happen and you got to go on. So, hey, sometimes things happen in the church yep. and you got to deal with it, right? Yeah. And sometimes you got to move on. But, uh, yeah, so... Sad situations that happen and uh, dealing with those. What, uh, in, in light of Monday, what are, what are some things that you've had to deal with? Not, you know, obviously we're not using names and things, but specific things that you had to deal with and maybe had to bring before the church or were going to have to bring before the church. And, and how did you deal with that specifically? Let's give some examples. Well, yeah. I try to go off the basis of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 11, 1. Would to God ye could bear with me a little while in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So, I mean, here we have the situation where the Apostle Paul is explaining what his whole ministry is all about, the aspect of dealing inward to the church, obviously uh, outward to the world, getting the gospel, but inward to the church that... Uh, the problem is whenever we get away from the simplicity of Christ, it, it is so simple. And, and if we can keep it simple, if we can keep it basic, um, I've done something that not only I'm embarrassed about and now the family is embarrassed about and that, you know, I'm, I feel like I've ruined our family name in the church and either that person is going to be hardened and say, well, that's just too bad. You know, it's none of your business. What, what, mm -hmm. what one adult does with another adult is nobody else's business. I mean, cause that's our society today. And right. so they become more hardened and we want to side with family or, hopefully, they want to get right. And sometimes the family feels like, now I've done something wrong because somebody in my family has done, done something wrong. It's guilt by association. So there have been situations where the person who strayed from the Lord, who fell, let's say it that way, where they began their journey of getting things right, and the family was angry 
because they felt like you're just humiliating that person. And the person themselves is like, mm-hmm. no, I, I, I just want to get this right. And the family's like, we're not standing for this. And, and so right. there, there's, that's what I'm talking about, the multi-layer and so many facets mm-hmm. of, uh, mm-hmm. but if you can keep it simple, I did something wrong. I confessed it to Christ. And now because it does affect the rest of us here at church, I feel like I want to make it right with you too. Yes. No problem. I mean, that is right. very simple. Mm-hmm. I, I look at this as a father or mother dealing with their children. There were times when my kids did wrong and I would deal with them individually. Sometimes I would deal with them and, and Ruthie wouldn't even know. And sometimes I'd include Ruthie, uh, depending on the offense that the kids did. Sometimes I would bring them before the other kids and say, hey, your brother or your sister did something wrong and I'm going to deal with it and I want to know. I want you to know why. They're sorry. They they don't they, they they did wrong, but we've got to make that right. And I do it to make my other kids aware that we're not going to tolerate this. We're not going to have this in our home. We're not going to have lying, cheating, stealing, whatever it is. Um, we're not going to have drugs come into our home. We're not going to have alcohol come to our home. So we're going to deal with this. And and I want you to know that I love them. And I'm going to show you that love. I'm going to hug on them and kiss on them and let them know that I love them. And you're going to do the same. And it's going to be over. Once we deal with it, it's over. Uh, we've made, we've done what we need to do, and we move on from that. And I think in the church, the same way that the, the head of the church, it, you know, the representation of Christ is the pastor. And he, along with the other spiritual leadership of the church, sometimes maybe the deacons, maybe pastoral staff, they have to deal with things. And sometimes people are going to come in and they're going to deal with it in the office, and it's going to be done. And you move on. Sometimes the offense is so great that you have to bring it to the entire family. And you have to say, listen, somebody messed up. And we want other people to know that we're not going to tolerate that in the church. It's not, we can't have that. It's sin. It, it defies God's word and, and the heart of Christ. And we need to deal with that. And you do that as discreetly as you possibly can, as lovingly as you possibly can. And with the hope of a great restoration. And that's that's what church discipline is all about. And I know pastors who, you know, bring people up and they have them stand there and they have to say something. And, um, you know, it, it's quite an ordeal. I never did those things in, in the 30 years I was pastoring. I only had one where I had to get up and, and really chastise somebody who really, really hurt the church and really was in great sin. But other than that, I, I never did that which would bring a great humiliation to people. Try to deal with it that way. Yeah, to me, you try to keep it simple. But sometimes, if we're not careful, it may appear that we, we when, in, when dealing with situations like this, it mm-hmm. may appear that it's like we get out a, a big binder from HR and start yes. to go through and say, well, now... In this infraction, this step one, step two, step three, and many churches probably have in their church constitution uh, a way in which the the church family has agreed in dealing with public sins. Uh, But still, 
I always like to try to keep it as simple and basic the scripture as much as we possibly can. You know, uh, in First Timothy, Second Timothy, Titus, I mean, those books are full of commands to a young preacher, how should you pastor? Here's situations mm-hmm. that you need to deal with. And of course, you know, you've got First Timothy 3 that talks about if you want the, if you desire the office of a bishop, gives qualifications of the, of the pastor, gives qualifications of the, of the deacons. Uh, here I'm writing, you know, if I tarry long, that thou mightest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God. And goes into chapter 4, chapter 5, 2 Timothy 5, 12, uh, uh, 2 Timothy 5 uh, talks about, if any man sin, he that sins, rebuke before all that others may fear. And so right. it, it's not the idea of, you know, I heard that that individual gossiping in the hallway and I'm going to call her name and I'm going to, you know, rail upon her. It's talking about a sin that has been become public to the society. And, mm-hmm. and so as we're dealing with situations that cause a reproach to Christ, to the name of Christ. Of course, all of our sins do. Uh, if you go to work and you, you know, leave 45 minutes early, but somebody else uh, swiped your card. So, you know, you look like that. Yeah, that's still a sin. But we're talking about things that basically uh, cross the line of um, either criminal behavior or um, behavior that is blatantly against the scriptures, such as, you know, the, the Bible says that, that fornication should not even once be named among us. Right. The Bible's right. so often through the New Testament and frequently mentions the idea of being chased and the the fear, the the danger, the warning against sexual sins. And so that's what we're generally talking about is something that becomes either criminal or something that is crosses that line of what we would normally say maybe in years past you know common decency uh you know right. where where somebody's broken a vow before marriage or in marriage and you know those kind of things are very serious to god because he names them and repeats repeatedly refers to them all through the new testament I think as a pastor, I've given this advice to other pastors, and I tried to do this too. When I had to deal with someone and they, you know, they gave a little resistance to dealing with things, I would say to them, okay, here's what I want you to do. Would you find for me the biblical way to handle this? Would you search the scriptures and tell me what you think the Bible says we should do in order to deal with this? And the response most often is, I don't care what the scriptures say. My situation should be handled my way and that's that's where that's where you have to draw the line we have to deal with things biblically if you deal with it biblically you can't go wrong it, it's God's way God knows these problems are going to come into our lives he's every situation comes in our lives and we have an example of you know in Acts chapter 5 but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira's wife sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and kept back part of the price of the land? And what happens is they, they aren't repentant and they don't they don't take care of it and they die. 
on the spot. And I mean, that's that's dealing with sin. That's a public dealing with sin. And that's harsh. But it, it says that after that, you know, people understood you don't you don't mess around with the Holy Spirit. You don't mess around with the things of God that way. And people have to understand that we're trying to help other people keep from being in that situation. And if I had a child who became a drug addict, I think in my heart I'd want to keep other kids from becoming a drug addict. And I, and I want them to, to know and to be aware and to see the hurt that it brings. But, I mean, it's it's tough because you do love your family and you don't want to be embarrassed and you don't want to embarrass your family. But at the same time, it's going to get out. People are going to know and, and people are going to see. And if we can show the love of Christ and show a church that cares and wanting to help, I think that's such a great testimony. And you miss out on that if you just say, well, if you're gonna if you're gonna say something, then we're out of here. We're leaving. I, I think that speaks of volumes of who you are and what your walk is with the Lord as well. So some things to consider when when you're being dealt with in that situation. All right. So you touched on something that I think would be good to to get to this central nerve. You yep. know, and uh, and I just wanna I, I don't really have an opinion on it, but I wanna talk through it a little bit. When you're talking about the idea of if I say nothing, if I do nothing, then I'm encouraging other people to sin, or mm. uh, you know, others may may think that there's no recrimination if they if they behave the same way. Um, I think perhaps whenever we have. If we go into a situation and that's the way that we're trying to explain it, I think that that may be a great difficulty for the family and for the individual themselves of, well, what do you mean? So you're going to put a scarlet letter on me or you're going to brand me publicly because you're worried about other people? That isn't fair to me. And so Mm -hmm. I think that is a... Uh, that's something we talk about as pastors. That's something we worry about as pastors. Mm-hmm. If I do nothing, what what message am I sending? And, um, you know, if we can get back to, look, here's what God says, and this is what I must do, rather than the, you know, the, 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 the fear that we have, that that's, that's, I think it's based in love for the church, but I think that helps complicate the situation of uh, you're, so you're going to, you're wanting me to do something special because you're worried about other people. Now you're not, you're not worried about me anymore. I'm just an object of derision. You you know what I'm saying? I just wanted to like throw that out there. Yeah, and I, and I think in clarification, the way you approach that and what you say may be different than what I just said. Right. Because right. you know this is two pastors talking. This isn't right. me talking to you about your problem. Right. And I've got to think that through as a pastor. And and what I want to convey to them is, I do love you, and I want to help you, and I want to help this situation, and and I want to help other people. And, and I want people to know that there are people in our church that want to handle things properly and biblically. And if you'll help me do that, we can help others. And and depends on the situation. I mean, if one of my church members 
I found out, got drunk on Saturday night and came to church Sunday and did nothing about that. I'm not going to get up in front of the church and say, hey, so-and-so got drunk last night. We need to deal with that right now. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go to that family and say, what, what's going on? What's, what's happening here? There, there's a problem. And, and why would you do that? I'm going I'm to find out. And they might say, oh, Pastor, I messed up. I just I got with the wrong people, and I knew I shouldn't have done it. It was a one-time thing. It's never happened before, and, and, and to the grace of God, it's not going to happen again. I'm not going to get in front of the church and say, hey, this guy got drunk, and he, you know, he's admitted it. And No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with it then and there. But if it becomes repeated, and if it becomes a constant problem, then I have to say to the family, hey, listen, we've got a serious problem here. This person needs help. And we've got to we've got to deal with this on a on a bigger basis. Okay, why? And so, because it becomes a hurt to the church and a testimony and to the testimony of the church. Um, I, I mean, and again, this this is a tough one because what where do you draw the line on that? If I find out that somebody had an impure thought, do I bring that to the church? If somebody misses church repeatedly and they forsake the assembly of the the church, do I do I you know bring that before the church? I think you have to look at the situation, as you said. Each one's different. Is it going to hurt the body of Christ? Okay. Is it going to hurt so the testimony how? of Christ? I, I'm I'm just being devil's advocate. Yeah. So yeah. how yeah. is it hurting the body of Christ? I mean, the guy just gets drunk and, you know, goes home. How is that hurting the body of Christ? Because if that—I mean, people in the, in the community obviously see that. Amen. The impact that has on the family. Amen. Right? You, and, you, and I think— You're going to—if you're going to— consistently be a drunkard and uh you know whether you're driving home or not when people in the community know that guy man he he's a drunk man i you know every weekend man he's bombed out of his gourd sometimes he goes to church but man he that guy that guy's a drunk when it becomes a public a community understands it whenever it becomes something yes. that because we're we're all sinful people and unsaved people yeah. love to sin too and so they love to do anything they can to defame the Lord Jesus Christ whenever whenever uh, David sinned God, uh, the prophet said to him that by this you have given occasion to the enemies of God to blaspheme and so that is that's the point right. that we've got to people in church should understand this is this is why we're doing this has nothing to do with you know how dare you make me look bad it has nothing to do with us and has everything right. to do with the reputation of Jesus Christ if you don't deal with things consistently too I mean, if you let one guy go or one girl go yes. and you don't deal with it, oh my goodness, do you set a precedent and a hurtful precedent. So something to consider as well. Well, so, Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and, it, and honestly, with us, you know, if something happens in our families and we let something go in our family, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's why maybe I've erred. I've talked to my boys all the time. Maybe I've erred on the side of being too strict. I don't know, but uh, you know what? I had we had a uh, we had a family member that uh, wanted to get on the platform and uh, you know uh, participate in a song in a uh, they weren't they weren't appropriate in the way that they looked, 
And I mm-hmm. said no. And that family member got rather upset and uh, angry with me. But you know, I it, it was a private thing. It we didn't go. We didn't. I didn't do it publicly. But it was just no. You know, you're not going to be able to do that. And only one other person knew who happened to be there, and they were going to be part uh, and participate in that. And and I thought I would have problems with that other individual. And they came like about a week or two later and said, we were praying for you because what you did was right. And it, it was right yeah. to do. And they had no animosity towards that family member of ours. They, they loved that individual like crazy. But I just felt like I've got to do this. This is this is only yeah. fair and right. And so, you know, if our family members sort of get by, quote unquote, with things, it makes it tougher, you know, for the church members to, you know, right. well, well, what about you? You know, so that's a that's a right. difficult thing. Right. I'm going to close with this. We've gone a little bit longer today, but uh, I had to deal with my kids at home. Um, I had to call some other families at church on a different occasion and say that my kids messed up and I want to apologize and they're going to apologize. Mm -hmm. And there was a time when I had to get up in church and say, one of my kids did something and it impacted the church. And I want to apologize on behalf of my child and let you know that we dealt with that and that's not going to happen again. And it was awesome. It was awesome. Our church was awesome. They rallied. Amen. And 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 that's the way it should be. Yes. And it was it hard? Yes. Was it was it hurtful? Yes. Was it needful? Absolutely. And in doing that, my kids were so elevated in the eyes of our church for for fessing up and saying, "Hey, I messed up and I I think grew in the eyes of our church, my wife and I by saying, "Hey, we're going to deal with this. It's not just you. We have problems too, and we had to deal with it and we did. And it's good." And Amen. I praise the Lord that, that you can do that. So Amen. with that, I'm Al Stone. I am still in St. Augustine, Florida for a few more days and uh, enjoying our time of revival here. Man, God's given us some great meetings. I'm so glad. And uh, I will soon be in the great state of Ohio. I'll be in Canton. You won't be home, but I'll be in Canton close by. And I will be thinking of you, Brother Wolven, hopefully not in a motel room with a cup situated on an ice bucket (laughs) with pillows surrounding me. (laughs) Well, you know, as pastors, we have to deal with things. And I had to sit down with a family member and say, "Um, I'm sorry, this may be a little bit embarrassing, but we're not going to have hairspray that smells like skunk in this house. And so we, you know, it it was tough. It was difficult. I won't want to name who that family member was, but... You know, you just have to do some things for the for the betterment of your family. So as we're dealing with this, let's try not to stink up the body of Christ. Amen. And I'd like to say I'd like to say to I am Wolven, going to be in big trouble. I am going I would to, like be, to say that, I married hey, Pepe Le Pew. Hey buddy. That's way worse than clippity clop, clippity clop. No. You're in big trouble. No, it isn't. Oh yeah. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Oh, we'll see. We'll have a poll. We'll see. (laughs) I'm calling Pepe Le Pew right now. (laughs) This is Tim Talks, where we try to be serious, but we never can finish it. (laughs) 
We'll be back with you on Friday. This is the Tim Talks. Have a great day. Eh? You've been listening to Tim Talks, taking interest in ministry, with new podcasts added each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. To learn more about your hosts, Dr. Al Stone and Pastor Dan Wolven, you can visit us at timtalks.com. That's T-I-I-M talks.com. 